Hej och varmt välkommen till bondesamhällets absolut första avsnitt på engelska. I'm joined by one of the most interesting women I met in a really, really long time, Mette Hellback. This conversation from the heart left a mark in me and gave me food for reflection. We talk about the power of connecting with nature, our own gut feeling, and treating ourselves with everyday medicine. And when we say medicine, we don't mean a colored pill. Rather so much more. Mette started several restaurants, written many books about food. She writes content for several magazines. She started Stelsen in the Woods. And now her latest project, Unarids Apotek. I would recommend you to lie down, close your eyes, Simply take a moment in time to relax, listen in, and reflect. We record this episode in the most beautiful place, Mette's little greenhouse in her back garden, filled with herbs and beauty in general. Mette has poured everyday medicine in our cups, and we sip it with care, really feeling it. On the note that we should benefit connecting with nature even more, you will hear trees whisper outside the greenhouse. I happily bring you Mette Hellback, a shining, thoughtful and inspiring woman. I truly think you will enjoy this conversation. It's one of my most heartfelt episodes I've ever done. Du lyssnar på Bundesmället. Jag heter Lena Halvård. Mette, warm welcome to Bundesamhällets podcast. Thank you. I feel this conversation will be about health to some some extent. So I figured maybe we should start with a deep breath to arrive in this beautiful place and this greenhouse that we are in today in your back garden. Shall we do that? Mm-hmm. <sighs> when I was in the car up here, I reflected on you and on medicine, and I felt that, do you feel that a simple breath or many can be as medicine? Yes, I definitely think that a lot of things can be medicine. And I think that a lot of the things that we consider medicine today is um, maybe not as healing as we think, and many of the things that we don't consider medicine are much more healing than at least conventional medicine. So yeah, for sure, a breath can be medicine also. For you right now, what is medicine for you in your life right now? Hmm. It all depends on how you how you define the term. And uh, yeah, maybe I don't even like the word medicine so much because it uh, sort of make people think of pills and doctors and all this um, sterile environment that is usually considered uh, the health sector, which is actually not that much about health, but more about uh, (laughs) keeping uh, people maybe in a certain kind of system where actually being healthy is not even that important. And it's more important to uh, to cure symptoms and not look so much at what the root cause of the problems are. This is what I'm thinking. And that's because I reflect on can medicine be 
to prevent, I mean, to prevent that we come into the symptoms so we don't end up in the deep roots of getting ill. Did you find uh, coming into this area of herb medicine or health, did you have a need for healing yourself? Mm, yes. I definitely had a need for healing when I first um, when I first met plant medicine, and uh, I've been working as a chef for many years. That's sort of my label. That's what I do. I write cookbooks and I cook, uh, and uh, I've been, you know, yeah, just very much interested in all my life. Uh, how to eat, how to eat good but i started as a chef with this um just wanted to please my guests and please the taste buds always going for what was more uh, taste uh, tasted better and what was looking nice and just that yum factor all the time was very important for me but um but then i just over over the years, I just realized that uh, it also has to feel good. It has to make you feel good. It has to make you um, feel satisfied when you eat. That's such a big and important part of eating also. And it's also, with that, a very important part of being a chef. So... Um, Do you mean that as I feel good when I eat it. It's a it's a mental kind of state, or do you feel that it's neutral, neutral benefits to you also, or do you separate these things of satisfaction? I don't I don't separate it. Actually, I think the more I know about health and what's healthy and how we should eat and how we can eat and what choices we can make for our health and our yeah, everyday medicine. Um, the more I realize that pl uh, eating eating really food that that tastes good to you and then that is pleasant to eat, it's just it's just so interconnected with uh, what's actually healthy for us. Um, because even saying that everyday medicine. I don't think most people look at medicine as everyday stuff. No. Unfortunately, a lot of people do because they have to take pills every day, you know. But I think that everyday medicine to me is like right now we're sitting here drinking herbal tea. And I cannot tell you the exact benefits of this tea. I cannot tell you exactly what it does to your body. But I'm sure that you can feel that drinking this tea makes you feel good and uplifted and it tastes good and it's uh, it's good for you you know it's good for you and you can feel that it is and that's just such an easy way I think to just make your life a little bit a tiny little bit better every day or every time that you drink this kind of tea because couldn't your own truth and your own feelings be good enough for being kind of the universal truth because I feel very much that we're grounded in many people in the Western world is grounded in research we need to find the one truth that is proven and then we can commercialize and sell that proven truth to others but when you say when I sit here with you now and I drink the first sip of this green tea I feel like this is healing and do you believe in not the placebo effect, but 
but also that but if you if you feel that this is good for you you will also have a physical effect that it is good for you yes i know that uh, it's very important that we um what we think is good for us and i know that the placebo effect is immensely important i know that people can heal with their thoughts i know it happens sometimes and i know that it's not something that everybody can do because you really have to believe it you don't you you can't just heal by watching some netflix shows that says that uh, oh but thoughts can heal and then you can say mm, i'm healing myself now i'm healing myself now if you don't believe it like really all the way down to yourselves it's not going to help you but that said it's just so it's just so um it's just so important to um to know just a little bit about what's good for you because that way you can make choices that can activate the placebo effect. If you go out in your garden and uh, and pick something that's good for you and you do it with the intention of doing something really good for yourself, because you read in a book that it was good for you, it enhances the effect of the foods that you eat. So that's also why the best kind of accessing all this medicine is actually just being present. Being really present dragging on the knowledge that you think things that you have read in books and so on but not letting it take you away away from the presence but making it uh, even more present in what you do so when you cook when you go out in your garden and you choose what herbs to pick to pick to cook with or to put in your tea or you go to the supermarket if that's how you get your groceries um then you just get so much more bonus out of what you do if you know what it does for you if you just know a little bit about it um, how did you know or figure out I'm, i'm guessing you're still in a searching phase or maybe we all are always but how did you figure out what was good for you and what is good for you mm, it's still um, still something i'm exploring every day and i have uh, gone down different paths uh looking for the truth and i don't think there is one universal truth about how we should all eat i've been writing several books about the topic i've been uh trying this and that on my own body i've been reading tons of literature about uh scientific studies about what's good for you to eat and uh, i have um I have cooked a lot of meals, a lot a lot of meals for other people. I have seen their reaction to different kinds of foods and uh, I just know that the more I know the more I know I don't know. That is just the way that it is. But one of the paths, two of the paths I have went down on, I can talk a little bit about and one is the paleolithic way. It's the look looking into what people used to eat and another one is ayurveda the the ancient indian uh, philosophy about uh, how people uh, live can live and, and within that also how they can eat in ways that are closer to their nature and i think that 
nature is just such an important word here because if we are if we want to know how we how we should eat what's best for us to eat then it's just so important to ask the question what would nature do so you need to know what's your own nature and what's the nature around us designed to do and i think it's it's just a question that gives you so many different answers but that also makes you very curious what would nature do for example um, when you want to figure out what to eat for dinner then you can um, then you can choose to look into one of all these books that tell you about the newest scientific study that says this and that and you can follow the newest fat trend and you can juice a lot of celery and you can you know whatever is the new thing you can do that and it will work for you for a while probably you can become a vegan you can um, choose uh, to eat a uh, low carb um, high fat you, you, there's so many different paths you can choose and I'm not saying that one is wrong or one is the perfect one but I'm just saying that if with a little bit of curiosity you can really come a long way but this question what would nature do what are we designed for I think it's just it's just good guideline in all this just it's just such a jungle you know such a jungle and it changes all the time the human race is the only species who doesn't know what to eat like any other any other species any other animal know what to eat they just know it intuitively but people don't we have we think that we have to figure it out wow i never thought about it like that (laughs) that's very very weird but I'm also thinking because the further we come away from nature with urbanization is uh, amplifying with more and more people moving into the city and many people are they even discussing a removing kitchens out of the out of the house and we won't see nature as much and what do you think about that development for the human kind I think that it's just uh, completely crazy and it's just digging our own grave even deeper I think that we need to reconnect with nature because it reminds us of some of the things that we have lost. We do know what to eat. We just have to tap into that knowledge. We are, we've been here as a species on Earth for eating and living like, more or less like we do for tens of thousands of years. And we have made it so far it's uh, it's not uh, it's it's not like science has to tell us how to live and how to eat but we just have to remind ourselves that we are much more clever than we think because we do have this thing called intuition that we can tap into that will just allow us to know how to do the right thing by ourselves we have disconnected ourselves so much from our bodies because we are so used to using only a few senses and only our heads to make decisions and that's so wrong we only use the two senses more or less the the eyes and the ears 
we sit in front of the computer and we watch what's going on on the screen and we use our, our ears when we talk on the phone and when we talk to people but the rest of the senses we are just not that used to using them as our guides but we can actually use our um, smell and our taste buds and our feeling sense and also the gut feeling the intuition for making decisions in like in, in even better than decisions than ones we can use with our head where do you think the intuition or the gut feeling is in our body hmm that's a very good and big question i guess it is some kind of um, connection to the bigger thing that we also are nature our nature the universe god whatever people will call it i think that uh, we are all connected i know we are all connected but intuition is just uh, it just seems to me the more i tap into using my intuition as guideline that it is just some kind of some kind of people also call it love it's some kind of good energy that's just there for us that just helps us pushes us always in the right direction i guess that's the closest i can get i don't mm. know because it feels like we get lost in all our decisions and i listen to this research that said we spend most of our days not only taking a decision but trying to justify it afterwards that we did the right thing and maybe if you can connect closer to the gut it's more it's just obvious maybe you don't have to justify it so much but do you find you spend most of your time now searching for things externally in papers articles research or do you how much time do you spend searching within or without i would say it's probably 80% within and 20% outside of myself that I look for answers as it is at the moment I have a lot of books I don't have a lot of books anymore but I have some very very good books that I read in a lot but I also tend to not really remember what they say I uh, I feel that the more I explore this field of plant medicine that's my big in in the interest at the moment the more i go into it the less i think i remember from reading and the more i think i remember from doing from eating from actually becoming the plant which i do when i drink the tea a bit of the plant is inside of me so that makes me remember the plant and its beneficial effects on my body in a much more profound way then when i read about it in a book um, i find that fascinating and it's also something that i have been a little bit scared of saying because yeah we do live in a society where it's so important to always be able to pull up the last scientific report from your bag and say here you can see the proof that i'm right in what i'm saying and it's so It's so scary to just drop that mask and just say, "Look, I don't know which one of these uh, 
thousand uh, scientific reports about uh, this and that plan of kind of food, a way of eating that's the right one and which is not the right one. I use my intuition instead. It's a little bit scary because people don't want to listen to you when you say that, right? A lot of people are like, yeah, but why should I lis even listen to your advice? Why should I... I trust you. you. This is sad in a way. I understand them completely because we are brought up in this uh, way where the head has to, you have to be able to wrap your head, head around what's being told because there's so much information out there, but also the information overload. Of course, we have to be alert. Of course, we have to not just believe any new idea we hear and of course we have to make our own decisions about things and use our head a little bit mm -hmm. like we've always done it's always been important for people to share knowledge and to uh, connect some dots but uh, um, but you're right it is a little bit sad mm -hmm. that we are not just a little bit more trusting of ourselves and of the people who um, we believe in if they don't show you a scientific report when you eat or when you consume something do you do it very much in the present i feel like you kind of when we drink this tea i feel that you do it with feeling you don't just empty the entire glass and mm. i feel very much that we consume so quickly and on the way and, and it's how do it you is, feel about consumption? This, this is also one of the things that I've been writing about in, in some of my books. So I know there is some kind of scientific proof for what I'm saying right now. I can just not say which, uh, like, where you can find this information. But I know that it is proven that attention to what you do, anything you do, but also eating enhances the effect of it. So if you sit down at a meal... And you really spend the first couple of seconds just appreciating it, noticing it, chewing it, and uh, smelling, smelling it, and sensing it in in all the ways that you can, and also being a little bit grateful about actually having a meal to eat. It it does um, it does work magic on your on your body. It actually can be a more healing meal if you just spend those seconds being aware and maybe also that is easier because now when i arrived we walked around the garden and we picked herbs or you picked herbs and you nurtured nurtured these herbs through life and mm. you broke a branch or mm. and and when you see something grow from the start and you planted the seed i guess you feel a bit more appreciated maybe for it does things. it does definitely give you a better connection to uh, what you're eating and it does also make you appreciate it because you did spend quite a lot of time and also money sometimes on on growing your own food um it's also said in plant medicine and this is i mean i could probably also find some scientific studies that would um suggest that this is true but what what they say and what they has kind of been brought over for many generations thousands of, of years of, of knowledge is that when you grow a plant 
then it also becomes you before you even eat it. So the plant knows what you need <laughs> before you eat it. And this is a little, yeah, I know, wow. a little weird, uh, but I would like to believe it still, that it's actually true. That's also why you always say that, you know, the plant medicine books I have, it said, it said, said that what is most healing to you is what's outside of your door, it's what grows close to you, because nature always tries to create balance. It always does, you know, it always becomes winter when we need a little break and things need to to find new energy for the new season ahead and there's yeah you know there's just so many examples of it that nature does always try and create balance so so why wouldn't it be true that the plants around us are also aware of what is needed for balance maybe it's not a coincidence that a lot of herbs that we find out in the wild make us feel more peaceful, for example. Now that that's what we need so much in our society. We need so much to be feeling more grounded and more peaceful and more um, connected. And that's the thing that a lot of herbs that we find around here in Sweden uh, can do, like the nettles, for example or um, the roses that are growing close to the beach, the rosehip roses. Um, when you say this, I feel like they are calling for our attention. I'm, We're here. Come and know, get us. I'm sure we they are calling you. for our attention. And, and I'm really positive about this because one of the things that I've seen uh, when you when you are in a in in any city, you can find weeds growing, you know. And the weeds, the we, what we call weed weeds, are usually things that we can eat. So the chickweed, the dandelion, the and nettles, um, a lot a lot a lot of things are growing just through the asphalt. You can find it. If you live in Berlin, if you live in Stockholm, if you live in Malmö, in Copenhagen, anywhere, you can go outside of your door and you can find things that are growing that you can actually eat. And it's not like you cannot live on those two dandelions standing on the curb or at the sidewalk. It's just the message that it brings. Hey, we're here for you. See us. I think that's such a profound and important message. Because Almost crying now. Yeah. Because I feel nature. like we got it all wrong. Like they're there, yeah. even where, and we just want to get rid of them. Yeah. We move into a house and we see the weeds and we're like, how on earth am I going to get rid of those? Whereas maybe they are there for a reason. They don't give up. They do not give up. <laughs> they are really not giving up on us. Even how, no matter how much we try and kill them, remove them from our site. Uh, we try and put walls up to keep them out. Plastic, cover them up, still yeah. they come. They just come, they just come back. And they just keep coming back, no matter how much hate we give them, they keep coming back with their love. Isn't this reflecting in all the self-development work many of us do? Don't give up, keep mm. coming back. Yeah. And this is what they do. Yeah, just... Uh, Give them love no matter what, 
how much hay you give them. And that's that's how the how the weeds work. And they are just not giving up on the human species, you know. And that's also why I'm so optimistic about our future because we actually do have the scientific the science people. They have the knowledge we need. And if we can just start tapping into the intuition and these messages that the little dandelions in the streets are giving us, then there's hope for our planet. There's hope for, for, for the future of our children and for ourselves as a species. Because it, the help we need is out there. That's it. Uh, can I ask you, because it feels like health has been in your life, or the focus on health, for a long time. But when did you first experience your interest for plant medicine? And I, I read you went to South America before you moved to Sweden. Was that the first encounter or was that just a profound encounter? Um, I don't remember. I've been working as a recipe developer for many years and I've been uh, in the magazine industry. Like I have been uh, writing a lot for, for example, Alfa Damon, a Danish, uh, Denmark's biggest ladies uh, women's magazine. So in that position, I had to give people a lot of advice about what to eat and how to eat. And um, I was sort of trying to navigate in this jungle and also the demands of my editors of always uh, writing about the newest, you know, fat trends and uh, incorporating those in my in my recipes and so on. So, so it's just been very important for me to to serve my readers well and to know a little bit about what I was doing. In the, do you like giving advice or do you like giving more uh, under the radar guidance and people find their own truth or path or do you actually like the advising role? I think I, I, I am a communicator first and foremost. I'm not first and foremost a chef or an entrepreneur or a person who, a businesswoman. I am a person who, uh, who is very uh, curious about uh, how things are connected and how everything works in the universe and I just really like to share that information that I find on the way. So I'm never an expert. I've never been an expert on anything. But I've always been very good at uh, telling people about what I find. I'm, I, I think that's that's what I do. I, I guess we all have an urge to help each other out. I think that's part of being human. And it's also a part of who I am. I want to, I want to help when I can. And I can also see in the hindsight now that I've also not helped people a lot in my role as a journalist and as a recipe developer when I have been trying to teach them about how to eat. So the older I get and the more information I collect and the more experience I, I, I get in this field, I just see more and more that it really is a matter of tapping into your own intuition and not listening so much to other people's advice when it comes to what you should eat. So could you perhaps give a few tips on what you think individual can do to try because I think many people they don't know how to tap into themselves or what is good for them. Do you have any guidance there? Mm -hmm. it's, it's just so utterly important that we learn 
what it mean, means to feel our body and what it means to feel our gut feeling, the intuition. And what it takes is something that's very... Um, it's not easily accessible to most people because it takes peace. It takes a bit of time for yourself. It takes... Um, it's not... I, I think I'll have to say that it is accessible to everybody. Feeling your body is a matter of training. Feeling what your body needs is a matter of training, and it's a matter of training it every day. It doesn't necessarily take a long time, but it does take awareness. Just five minutes where you just sit and, um, and feel, what do my body actually need? What, what are my actual needs right now? So meditation is a good tip. Anything that sort of connects us with feeling instead of thinking is the way to go. And that's not a quick fix. It's not something that you can go from never really caring at all about what your body feels and just uh, going through, going to the gym and following all the fat trends and doing everything perfectly, taking your vitamins, but always only with your head. Doing, making the choices with your head and then going to, to use your body as navigation tool. That's not something you do overnight. But you can start right now, like, like literally right now. Just close your eyes and feel. Just feel your body. Mm. And dare to feel the body. Mm. Are you, uh, when I'm looking back at your life, it feels like you've done a lot of things in a short time. And the many other things you've done, I connect to being brave. Do you feel that you are brave? Hmm. Yeah, I guess I am. I don't know if I feel brave. I think I do feel that I have always at least dared to push myself out of my comfort zone a lot. But a lot of it has also been because it just didn't look <laughs> before I stepped out into the weird and dangerous things I've been doing. I've been tripping a lot. I've been making a lot of mistakes. I've been in a lot of financial problems and in a lot of uh, not very good business relationships and I've just taken a lot of decisions that were not that good. But I think what makes me think that I am actually a quite a brave person is that I can see when I look back this constant drive to learn more and learn more and learn more and uh, no matter the consequences that's uh, that is actually quite brave if I may say so because it's uh, my life has been I've been working very hard and I've had a lot of a lot of struggle that I wouldn't have had if I had just been a little bit more, just done things a little bit more like everybody does. Like just taking a normal job, I've never done that, you know, just taking that maternity leave without <laughs> constantly having to start a new project. I have three children and every time I thought I was going to just be on maternity leave, I started a new project. I just can't help it. But what I can see, I have learned from all this, just doing things 
at such a high speed all the time is that it's pushed me out in some situations where I just hit the wall again and again and I have grown so much from that and I'm grateful for that. Do you feel today that you want to scale down and do less or do you still have that urge that I still can't help myself, I need to do more? It's a very good question. I think that it is important for me to constantly uh, be on the move, to constantly learn new things, and I don't want to. I, I don't want to go against my own nature in that field either. I don't want to to just scale down and live a life where I uh, just have peace and calm and quiet all the time. I've done that for a little while now because I really, really needed it after a very long and hectic period of my life where everything was chaotic. Um, I've been, uh, I've been quite certain that I wanted to to live that life all the time, just uh, not starting a new project, not doing anything special, not being in the media anymore, not you know, not getting out too much, just living a quiet, quiet life. But I can feel no, that's not my nature. I I do want to do things. I do want to change and push and learn new things and share what I find. I still want to do that. So maybe it's about getting the recovery in between the push? Or yeah, I'm definitely it. getting so much better at, um, at... I find so many tools. Every time I have a stress breakdown, I've had a few of those now, two severe ones. And the first time took me three years to get over. The second time was after we moved to Sweden, it took me three months. And I think I'm actually at that point right now where it would probably only take me three days or three weeks or maybe three hours to get over it now because I have all the tools. I can feel, okay, now it's getting out of hand. Now this, you know, and, I, and that makes me brave. That makes me brave because I know, okay, I can go out of my comfort zone. I can throw myself out into crazy things but I can always find my way back it's always possible to go back and see the signs early and see the signs and do the necessary things to uh, to not go all the way to not start the entire landslide every time that you know I hit the wall I can hit the wall again and I will stand up a little bit faster the next time I think this is a cool thought, I think, because I think many people are scared of hitting it again. And mm. maybe we can remove being scared of just thinking, mm. I've learned, and if it happens again, I can, I can handle it. I think it's important that we're not afraid of life, and we're not afraid of challenges, and also that we're not afraid to share that we think that life can be scary and challenging. Because we see this, we have this picture-perfect Instagram image of a life that's just uh, fun and high-paced and we get so much done, we make such an impact on the world and uh, we are so good friends and, you know, just, just so much the success story also within the self-development field is, is just told so much. But the negative stories are not told so much. And I think that it's just as important to to hit the wall once in a while. Mm. I think if you haven't hit the wall, it's like I'm a skier. 
if you if you don't fall once in a while, then it's because you didn't push yourself enough. And you're not ever gonna be an excellent skier or excellent at being you if you don't hit the wall, if you don't fall down the hill, if you don't you know, take the wrong turn once in a while. You have to do that to to grow. Do you believe in the concept work hard? This is the way that you get somewhere? Can you feel the mentality of when you're in your right element, success or work will come more easy for you, won't feel as a struggle? I don't believe in working hard. I do believe in working smart. And I don't work many hours per day. And I don't even know what I do that I can actually consider work. Is it gardening? Is it writing? Is it sitting here with you? Is that work? Is it uh, testing a new uh, kind of food that we're going to eat for dinner? Is that work? Uh, I'm happy to say that my life more or less now is a life I don't need vacations from because I don't really have that barrier between uh, work and just my life. That's also what can become a stress factor once in a while when you are not, you know, when you don't have those boundaries, then sometimes you can, there's, there's just going to be too much of this life that's just the same as work or work that's just the same as life. But I don't believe in working hard anymore. Definitely not. I believe in tapping, always just following your bliss. Follow your bliss, follow your intuition, follow what feels right, follow the big yes, the sacred yes, and let the ah, maybe, just pass. Just don't go that way if it doesn't feel right. If someone said, if it's too tough, it's not right, mm. go another way. Maybe yeah. there's a sign of, don't go there. Mm. If they don't call you back, if they don't, throw a lot of things out, but bounces back is right. Mm-hmm. Someone also said, always follow your highest excitement in any given moment mm. which i think is kind of beautiful because i think we people we do so many things during the day that we don't want to do and maybe if we wait we want to vacuum an hour later but not in this moment exactly yeah hmm. exactly and, and a, a, vac- a vacuum cleaning is it's such a good example because everybody knows the feeling oh but i really should do it now because otherwise it never gets done but believe me it always gets done when you, uh, when your mother-in-law uh, calls and says she's going to be there in 15 minutes, then it gets done and it's not a problem. It doesn't feel like a problem to you. It's just something you do. Oh, huh, I have to do it now. You know, it does get done. The laundry always de- gets done. The taxes always gets done. So, so it really is not true when we try to, to tell ourselves that we have to find the energy to do the things that we don't want to do. It's, it's, of course, it's always a matter of trust. You have to be brave not to, to do that thing that you think is the most important thing right now, but you just can't find the energy for it. It will always, there will always be a time when it's the right time. Do you have trust in life and that people will, no, that things will evolve exactly as they should do? Yes, I've learned that. I do. I still have to practice it and I still don't trust all the time but I have I was actually thinking uh, when you said that thing about um, yeah you know people can sit there and, and and listen to what we're saying and think but how can I how can I follow my bliss 
and it hit the wall once in a while. That's not is that is that not two different things? But it's not in my in in my world. Last year, exactly this time of year, I was sitting at a I was living at a camping site with my um, kids because my husband and I couldn't get along. It had been too much work and too much struggle and too much just it's just been so difficult that uh, our marriage almost had come to an end we just thought it was our love that was something wrong with so I was sitting there at a coming uh, site with my children two children and one on the way I was eight months pregnant I was turning 40 a few weeks later and it was just not very pretty if you see it from the outside that situation but I just had this feeling of this is where I have to be this is how I have to do things at the moment it actually didn't really feel like hitting the wall it felt more like yeah this is this is how my life is right now and this is exactly what it's supposed to be and I found this beautiful house in two weeks I mean, after I made the decision that I had to, to move, I found this house. It came into my life. I didn't even know about Unerud back then. I knew about Unerud, but I didn't have any idea that I was going to move this way. I didn't have any money. I, you know, I was just all alone. I was, yeah, as I said, eight months pregnant. I had to find a place for me and my kids to be before the baby was born. And it just happened. That was just such a miracle. Uh, but it, it uh, yeah, things like that happens to me. So why would I not feel supported? Why would I not feel that I am where I'm supposed to be, even when it feels or looks shitty? Do you believe in miracles? Yes, I do. Yeah, I believe that lots of miracles are happening every day. Just sun just getting up every day and going down every day, and the flowers and there's so many miracles to to see if we just open our eyes to them moving into Unnarud's apotek what is Unnarud's apotek today in this moment Unnarud's apotek is um, it's I think it's going to be um, a business that is going to be place where I can live the kind of life that I really feel matches who I am, where I can constantly develop new products that makes me mm, that makes it necessary for me to to read up to get to know new things. And I want to develop um, everyday medicine. So that's herbal teas, uh, skincare products, little rituals for, bath time and you know just uh, making little products that make people able to connect with the natural world like I do um, so it's so it's a very personal project and it's also hopefully a, a way for me to to spend more of my time out in the garden and less of my time in front of the computer I sit at the computer very little at the moment and I think that's how I want it to be and then in the winter time I might feel like writing books again but 
I want to spend my summers outside. I want to be out and do things out in nature. So that's probably where it's heading at. Herbal teas and skincare products. But it might also be more communication products like books and like, um, yeah, I was contacted by a Danish uh, new magazine that wanted me to, to write about herbs for the audience, you know. So my little laboratory where I get to know the plants better. Do you feel you want to go, because you are a businesswoman also, a little part of you is a businesswoman, and that comes with commercialization. Uh, do you want to go big to have a big impact, or you don't care about big, or what I, drives you? I don't care about big, yeah, I definitely don't care about big. It drives me to make an impact and it drives me to be happy and satisfied and feel that I am where, where I need to be in my life. And at the moment I don't see myself as a new Martha Stewart or something. That's not where I'm headed at. But of course I'm, I also like to be a little bit above average. So I don't know, somewhere in between I guess. <laughs> Because what is success for you, or what would success in Inarit's apotheek mean for you? It would be if I could make a living out of uh, a life where I spend 80% of my time outside and 20% in front of the computer, that would be success for me. If I had enough money to go traveling, to uh, have the lifestyle that I like, um, then I would feel, I do feel successful because that's how it is right now for me. Um, Looking back at your life a little bit and your life journey, is there something there that you feel extra proud or happy about that you did or that you achieved looking at it from a more traditional way you are? Mm -hmm. I am very proud of the little vegetable shop chain that I made in Copenhagen back in 2010 in Bauhau, where I um, sort of started a wave uh, in Copenhagen and showed the Copenhageners how they could eat um, local uh, produce straight from the farmers. And I can see how that's a way that people eat much more in Copenhagen now. And it's getting much more accessible. The good vegetables are getting much more accessible. And I'm very proud of that. Um, and it was also the first event or the first business to really make me hit the wall. That, where I had my big, huge stress breakdown. But I am not regretting it at all. I'm so happy and so proud that I did that. Hmm. I think... A few of the listeners might wonder, why did you end up in this little, little village, Unnarud, in, in, in Sweden? Was that a, a, a crazy move? Are you happy with it? And how did you take that decision? It started with, we moved out in the forest to move, to move our restaurant still sense from Copenhagen, from the rooftop farm where it was and where it had huge success. Huge? Yeah, it was very popular. Uh, and then we wanted to move it out into a forest and it was mainly my husband's idea. He, he had been trying for many years to convince me to go to move to Sweden. 
and to find a forest. And then we found the perfect forest where we started this project, Still Sense. Um, which I am still a little bit a part of, but not at all on a daily basis. And uh, it, uh, it was just his dream more than mine. So I ended up here in Unorud. Yeah, like I said just before, this house found me. <laughs> this was just a good place for me to be. I'm not saying that I'm going to stay here in Unorud for the rest of my life, but maybe. Because it is really a good place, but it was not planned at all. Like I said, it was just following my gut. That's probably what got me here, my gut. Or the universe, or the whatever. I don't know. Is, is that stand still? Is it something you feel like, I don't know about it. I don't know if I want to be a part of it. I don't even know if I want to talk about it yet. Is it still too close in your, I don't know, in your mind? Or have you come to terms with that it was his dream, not mine? Or how, where is it mentally in you, that project? Yeah, I'm, um, I don't think I'm really done with figuring that out yet. Because also because it's been so much uh, of a struggle with between us, me and Fleming, my husband and I. I mean, he is the love of my life, and uh, it's still really difficult to see him go out there and be still just struggling and struggling and fighting. It's uh, it's, it's it's not easy for him to be alone with that huge big pro project. But at the same time, I can just. Yeah, yeah. If I follow my gut feeling, I can see that it's it's not the way I want to go anymore. Not really. <laughs> no, it's not really settled within no. me. Do you feel that because I think many other people listening to this are entrepreneurs or they they want to do a small business or something like this? Can you feel because you describe that project I think in a magazine as the big bang of entrepreneurship? Do you think that sometimes can just get too big and challenging and yes. complex for the one person? For sure, for sure, and that can kill a lot of ideas and creativity. And here in Sweden, you have so much bureaucracy, and that's really really not good for for big thinkers and dreamers like like Fleming and I. It was a big shock actually to go from Denmark to, to Sweden and see how things are just yeah, less is possible here, I think. It is it's not easy to come out to go out in a in a little community like this and just be starting something that's crazy like that. But I will also say that, for example, with my vegetable shop in Copenhagen, I also realized that uh, I could do a lot of the things that I wanted to do uh, without all the things around, without all the shops, without all the employees, without all the, you know, all this. And that's also what's the problem a little bit with Stillsense. It's always, there's always buildings, it's always lots of things going on, you know, creating things, creating actual physical manifestations is a lot, a big part of that project. But I think to me it's just much more important to just focus on the essence. And that is community. My, my things that, the things that I do is always, always communication projects first foremost. So 
like I said, I was happy to show the Copenhageners how they could use the local vegetables that the top restaurants were using. But there were also other ways I could do that. I don't have to follow, to do things in one certain way, if it's not the right way for me. Um, yeah. That's what I think with Unaritz Apotheek. Maybe it's not the products that is the main core. Maybe it's you as a spokeswoman, yeah. as in this conversation now. And people can tap in and believe and make it their truth. And then the herbs can just amplify yeah. that message. Yeah. We are sitting in your greenhouse. This is perhaps the most beautiful place I've recorded in so far. We're looking out at your three children. How do you find time in your daily life to tap into that gut feeling? I have a very privileged life. I really do. I mean, I'm more or less alone with my children because my my husband, he works a lot. Um, but I have, uh, and I'm home with my 10-month-old baby, but I I can actually say that I do more or less have a life where I can get up to what is calling for me. And uh, it's important for me to meditate every day. It's important for me to take a little bit care of myself, take a shower, eat well make nice meals um, and I can do that because I don't have a full-time job I I am working like working working like going away for work maybe four times per month or so the rest of the time I spend at home and I find that a huge luxury that I don't want to let go of Wow mm. Mette, on that note, I think we will finish off, but I wanted to speak about the tea here that we've been drinking during the interview. It's in one of those traditional Danish, I would say, stempel kaffe kanna, which is more common in, in Denmark, I think, and in Sweden in general. But we have a few, and it's... What herbs did you pick and put into the water? It's uh, lemon verbena and um, a kind of sage called... Um, honey melon sage and it's some kinds of mint it's just handfuls of what I had in my garden what I passed on the way and that I know is gonna uplift me Mette thank you very much maybe this was one of the most beautiful conversations I had in a really long time thank you I enjoyed it too thank you I hope you had a relaxing hour and that this conversation sparked something in you as it did in me. I really love Mette and I love the topic of nature and health. Please write a review of this podcast if you like this specific episode as I'm thinking of doing more on how nature and the countryside can have a positive effect on our well-being. Perhaps follow Mette on Instagram to get inspired in your daily life. But remember to listen within first and then search only a little without. With joy and humbleness, see you next week.